Welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast. My name is Jeremiah Johnson. Thank you for joining us on this verse by verse edition with Rick Maynard. I know we're all talking about the craziness of life, everything that's going on, but there is still some silver lining, redemptive things that we can do. Uh, and one of them is we can still have the Grace Point Daily Podcast, verse by verse with Rick Maynard. Right, Rick? We can still do that. And your Sunday, you have a Sunday school class we're, we're on doing YouTube that too. Yes. now as well. So yes. Grace Point Daily YouTube channel, mm-hmm. all one, all, all, all that together, Grace Point Daily, put the E at the end of a point, and you can also watch Rick Maynard's Sunday school class. Right. For all of you podcast people out there that wondered what I look like, now yeah. is, now's your chance. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, but like, and, and that is true too, you know, like I'm, uh, the disappointing thing in our other podcast, Modern Christian Dads is, you know, all the ladies think Kelly Stevens is really a looker. Right. And, and then. Well, yeah, you can tell by his voice. He has that, you know, sultry kind of yeah. uh, voice. So that I'm sure they would think voice. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So we're in the word. What we do is we go verse by verse. Not very complicated, right? So we encourage you guys to get in the word and we need the word. We need the word. We need the word every day, no matter what's going on in life or circumstance or situations. But let's get in it together. First Kings. Okay, here we go. We're uh, first Kings chapter 11, verse 16. And uh, if you get behind, because sometimes the way we stop here, we just stop on time. We don't stop at the end of a, a subject or a certain point. So if, if you lose track a little bit, you may have to back up to see where you got to this point. Uh, so you can listen to some of the other podcasts to get to get caught up. So because uh, this sounds like it starts in the middle of a story. It kind of does. But again, you can find the, the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say. Joab and all the Israelites stayed there for six months until they had destroyed all the men of Edom. But Hadad, still only a boy, fled to Egypt with some Edomite officials. Actually, I'm reading 17, or 16, 17, and 18 all together here. Um, Edomite official who had served his father. They set out from Midian and went to Paran. Then taking men from Paran with them, they went to Egypt to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who gave Hadad a house and land and provided him with food. So, I think this is another one of those verses where time passes just in this verse. You know, we read things sometimes as if you're, um, you know, everything just happened, this happened, and then the next minute this happened as quickly as we read it, which is not the case. So this is probably years in this one verse because it talks about um, uh, him going there as a small child, but um, but then it talks about that they gave him land and a place to live and so it sounds like there's some aging process and you know who knows maybe that young child was 15 or 16 years old not you know a a small child but um and taking these men with them if you take these men sometimes the point would be that you would have it would appear that you had a following so instead of just going by yourself if you take a group with you it, it appears like this is what we all think or we're all together on this thing and not just one person with a with a complaint. I guess almost like signing a petition. If you sign a petition, it's like this is not just my opinion. All these people on this form agree, or they got their arm twisted to sign a petition. Mm-hmm. Whatever, whatever, however it worked. But um, and, and he gave him a small area to rule over as a king. So uh, and Pharaoh was an ally to David. If you're looking at all these people and who's who's with who, who's against somebody. Uh, that's kind of the way all this. And so, and some of it may have just been, we don't know all the reasons and the motives in people's mind. Some of it may have been just to keep the peace. 
you know, you got to go along to get along theory. And so some of these things that are done in here are not necessarily that they agree with it, but they back up enough. Again, it would be like we're very political right now with all the coronavirus and the stimulus package and the Democrats and the Republicans are fighting over what they want to uh, what they want to do there, and there's what you call give and take. You know, you may have to sacrifice something to get them to agree to the rest. You decide what's the most important to get along. And, and so that's part, part of what's going on with all these kings, these guys coming here with Pharaoh, with Hadad, so all of these things. Verse 19 and 20, Pharaoh was so pleased with Hadad that he gave him a sister of his own wife, Queen Taphanes, in marriage. So again, you know, he's not a small child. I mean, he's aged somewhere in this these few verses that we're reading here. Um, the sister of Taphanes bore him a son. So, again, <laughs> here you go. Named Jenaboth, whom Taphanes brought up in the royal palace. There Jenaboth lived with Pharaoh's own children. So, you know, it's hard for us to see that sometimes when we read these verses. It just seems like this happened and this happened and... So we've gone from a young boy being uh, being at uh, in Egypt, and now you have Pharaoh pleased with him. He gives him a wife, and now he has a son. So we went from verse 16 to verse 20, 19 and 20 there. Uh, he's married now with children. So uh, 21, while he was in Egypt, Hadad heard that David rested with his fathers and that Joab, the commander of the army, was also dead. Then Hadad said to Pharaoh, let me go that I may return to my own country. So it, it's almost as if he's happy to hear uh, that, uh, that David has passed away. I mean, he's waited this time, fear of David, whatever. And it's like, and he's not only that, he's waited for David to die, but now he's ungrateful to Pharaoh for everything Pharaoh's done to him. I mean, he brought him there, gave him a place to live gave him a wife. I mean, all these things that Pharaoh's done, and then it appears to be he's ungrateful. You know, now I just I just want to go home. I want to go back to where I came from. And, and probably thought if he was afraid of David, if he'd been an enemy of David, maybe he thinks Solomon is weaker than David and won't be still angry or, or whatever with him. So, and the two versions uh, of death, and they mentioned this in several places, but when you, when you read about someone's death in the Bible, especially Old Testament, it'll say things like they rested with their fathers or they died. And in this case, if you read that, it says uh, they heard that David had rested with his fathers, and that term resting with the fathers is a respectful term that he died on good terms uh, with God, uh, peaceful and righteous. I mean, that's what all that kind of entails. But then it says... Uh, Joab, the commander of the army, was dead. <laughs> I mean, there's no rested with his fathers. There's no kindness there. He's just dead. And when that's uh, referred to, it says, I mean, it talks about he was a man of war. And it's considered when you just say somebody is dead, it's their, uh, like they don't exist anymore. Final mm -hmm. separation, as opposed to resting with the fathers. Yeah. 
And if you go first, I'll never do that to you, Rick. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm sure I'll go first. You know, unless your wife kills you, that could be. Right. You know, I mean, you know, I don't know how he's resting terms. in the cemetery in yeah. the back of the church he's that laid, we started for him. Yes, <laughs> he laid him to rest with his. Well, not with my fathers because my fathers aren't there. So, but uh, but it is it is interesting. I, I've said many times. Nobody dies today that's not a member of a church, you know. And I don't think all of them went to heaven, mm-hmm. but I, I've seen people <laughs> in the obituary. Uh, they were a member of Grace Point Assembly of God Church, and it's like I've been here my whole life. I've never seen that person in right. this church. But everybody well, maybe claims they sent their tie. Then you yeah, know? <laughs> well, that's all that matters. I mean, right. we don't care. All you people, we don't care if you come here or not. Just send yeah. money. That but, counts. Mm-hmm. That's why I was joking last night on with all the Facebook live and going on. I, I was looking. We had a video presentation. Uh-huh. So then during the video, I stepped off the stage, right. checked my phone to see you can see who's all watching, right. and I was right. like, hey, if you're, I can see who's watching now. So <laughs> there's a couple deacons. You know, I didn't see their names on there. So uh-huh. I was like, that's basically like skipping church. I now. was I was there. I didn't finish it, so I had to I had to finish yeah. it. But I was I was there. You, yes, you and Kelly so, Stevens were there. Okay, Whew, Kevin glad, Patterson was there. I'm glad I saw that. So, so do you want to talk about who wasn't there? Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, we better move on. But eleven twenty two. What have you lacked here that you want to go back to your own country? Pharaoh asked. Nothing, Hadad replied. But do let me go. So, you know, even even Pharaoh's like, why would you why would you want to go back? I've you know I've done everything for you here. I've been good to you. Why do you want to Why do you want to go back? I mean. I don't know if I don't know how Pharaoh felt about Solomon. If he thought Hadad was going to be a a problem for Solomon, maybe he didn't. Maybe he didn't even want him to go back. It wasn't even about you know staying here with me because I've been good to you. But don't go back and bother Solomon. I mean, you've been kind of against David. Don't go back and bother uh, Solomon. And it and there's one one phrase that says Hadad didn't have success as long as Solomon was faithful. So when Solomon was good and things were going good and he hadn't done all the wrong things, uh, there was no problem between them. But as soon as Solomon began to fail, the adversary came up. As soon as he started stepping out of uh, God's will, if you would, and it's a good lesson for us that you know yeah, we need to stay. Yeah, absolutely. We're not perfect, but we need to stay as close as we can because a little, and it wasn't such a little slip <laughs> with Solomon. It's not like he slipped up and said a bad word or something like that. I mean, it was a, a lifestyle. There's one point where it said, since this is your attitude. In other words, since this, since you've made up your mind that you're going to continue to sin and do these things, even though you know better, uh, he still um, it wasn't a small thing that he did this. So 23 and through 25, and God raised up against Solomon another adversary, Razan, son of Eliada, who had fled from his master, Hadadezer, king of Zobah. Now we're going to have a pop quiz, so make sure you remember all these people mm-hmm. and where they came from. <laughs> I he, do love me some Old Testament names, I yes, got to confess. Yes, well, you, you got kids named after. Yeah. yeah. I guess <laughs> I, I meant to ask the girls or not. Never mind. Yeah. They, Zoe is from the Greek word life. Oh, yeah. Gabriel is the f- feminine of Gabriel. Yeah. So. Okay. There you go. Yeah. I didn't think your girls were very spiritual because they didn't. Well, okay, we better move on from there, too. They won't listen to this anyway. Um, Okay, now I lost my place. Um, (laughs) The leader of a band of rebels, when David destroyed the forces of Zobah, the rebels went to Damascus where they settled and took control 
Uh, Razon was Israel's adversary as long as Solomon lived, adding to the trouble caused by Hadad. So Razon ruled in Aram and was hostile towards Israel. So it's it's bringing up, and again, I think we talked about this a little bit, God raised up against Solomon another adversary. It's not that, that God's just, well, if you're going to do something wrong, then I'm going to send an enemy. We We act like God is... I say this many times. We act like God is reactionary. Like he was surprised mm. that this happened. And so, well, I better, I, if you're going to do that, I'm going to bring an enemy up. So let me look around and find an enemy. Most of the things that we say God raised up someone, it's because God knew the future and he knew how things were going to go. It's not like he woke up one day <laughs> and had a problem and had to figure out, you know, who to send as an adversary. He knew the nature of these guys. Uh, it was. It's really. I hate to say I don't like the wording of the Bible, but I think sometimes the Bible should just say an adversary came up because of God's plan, or you know, because sometimes mm-hmm. when it makes these God raised up against Solomon, like he's mean, like well, if you're going to do that, then I'm just going to punish you every time you do something wrong, and so. Um, and, it, and again, it wasn't. He wasn't successful till Solomon sinned, and. And this was not all of his life. This adversary did not come against him the day he took kingship or when he was a small child or when mm-hmm. he was building the temple. It, it came against him just when Solomon began to sin, when he began to turn away. This one verse, uh, expanded Bible said God caused. Is that a better word? Yeah, I don't know because still, <laughs> that still sounds like God is, you know, mean, standing up and causing bad things to happen to us because if you were a non-christian or a new christian you would look at that and think that you know god is mean and Mm. does things to us and makes bad things happen so and if you get that mentality then you're going to have a mentality that every time i get sick god's mad at me every time i lose my job god's mad at me every time something doesn't happen the way i think it should happen well, it must be, God must be mad. God must be causing this to happen. And there's a, we won't get into all that. There's a fine line somewhere in there about whether God causes something or whether God allows something. And people like to use the word allow as if things just kind of come along. But, you know, Job said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. I mean, he is the one who decides whether he allows or causes it. He decides what he's going to protect us from and what he's going to allow to happen. We were talking again about the coronavirus and the the one church that has, what, 41, I think, in the church or something. It's Assembly Mm -hmm. of God Church. 41 people have the virus and one died. And we could say, you know, to the non-Christians would say about that, well, where's God? I thought God took care of his people. Yeah. But God causes or allows things to happen and it, it's all a result of our sin mm-hmm. i mean that's we fail to remember that and think that god's mad like we deserve better yeah so, 11 26 through 28 also jeroboam son of nabat rebelled against the king he was one of solomon's officials an ephraimite from zerada and his mother was a widow named zerua Here is the account of how he rebelled against the king. Solomon had built the supporting terraces and had filled in the gap in the wall of the city of David, his father. Now Jeroboam was a man of standing, and when Solomon saw how well the young man did his work, he put him in charge of the whole labor force 
of the house of Joseph. So we have talked about this, how when you get into Jeroboam and Rehoboam at different times, you know, here it looks as if he's a good man that Solomon's going to put in charge. He's doing things right. He's a godly man. But then we find times where he's not so godly, and Rehoboam is the more spiritual. So they kind of bounce back and forth. You can't just say, oh, or Jeroboam here, because he's a good man, that means he's always a good man, because he's not always a good man. And uh, and Solomon had done so well that he didn't need a tax. We've talked about that. There was no taxes. Uh, things were going good. There was no poverty. There was no need for welfare, all of those kinds of things. But now uh, this is, again, part of this slow downfall that he begins to put somebody in charge. He, he has a labor force. I don't know if he's broke, but maybe he begins to see that there's not as much coming in as there was in the past. Part of God's, I don't—I hate to say punishment for it, but part of God's uh, causing or allowing things to, to happen. And so there's some, whether there's an a, a economic problem or not, there's a perception that there is, and he begins to have a labor force again. And so uh, the, the decline in the kingdom, uh, things that were happening at the time, Jeroboam is concerned about that. So in this sense, he is a good man. He's not a man that's a man of war and, and a problem for Solomon and all those kind of things. And so what had happened was uh, David had made openings in the walls and it's not so much like sometimes we think about that like they took a big sledgehammer and knocked holes in the walls. But I don't know. I, I didn't research it, how many uh, openings that David had made. But it was somewhat symbolic for David to do that. It wasn't a, like a destruction of the wall. I think this was probably a time when there began to be more gates into the city. And the reasoning behind that was David wanted everyone to have access to, to the temple, to Jerusalem. So this wall that had been built, David had, whether he made a gate, whether he knocked a hole in it, I, you know, we don't have the, uh, the exact reasoning behind it. But Solomon started closing up those holes in the wall. So it wasn't a matter of, you know, we talk in, in uh, Jeremiah, it talks about the repairing the wall. Well, this was not like holes that were that Solomon was being kind and patching them up, he began to close up the walls as if he was shutting himself in and didn't want everyone to have access. So in Solomon, you know, we can talk about having too many wives. We can talk about idol worship. But now he begins to not even want everybody to have access. In other words, it's a pres or, uh, not presidential, prejudicial thing that he's doing. He doesn't want everyone to have access. And it's, it would be the church today, we always say we have, open, we have open doors here. Anyone can come to this church. We don't ask you if you're an alcoholic. We don't ask you if you're homosexual. We don't ask any. Everyone is, is welcome to come inside these church doors. But there are churches out there that are not like that. Mm -hmm. They don't have an open door policy. And so that's a little bit of what Solomon was doing, was beginning to close up those gaps so that everybody couldn't just come in. And it concerned Jeroboam at that time being a, a good man. Uh, there's one of the uh, rabbi teachings says, 
Jeroboam gathered a thousand members of his own tribe and led them to the Sanhedrin to complain. He said, David left Zion open to all Israel, but Solomon has locked himself up there with Pharaoh's daughter. So even the some of the great writers were aware of what Solomon was doing that was not the right thing to be doing. Now, this is a an issue, too, of whether, I mean, he was confronting Solomon about these things. I don't know if that's courage to stand up to Solomon and complain. And he wasn't necessarily standing up to Solomon so much as he was going around Solomon to complain to someone. It would be, again, you try to relate these things to today, otherwise you're just reading a history lesson. But in our time, it would be as if the church here got a group together and started around, I think we call that factions within the church. The Bible talks Mm -hmm. against that. But it's a faction for me to have something against you that I don't like and not coming to you, but going to some people in the church, even going to the deacons and like having a secret meeting Mm -hmm. without you and getting these guys together. And then we're like, well, we don't really know what to do. We need to take this to the district. And, and, you know, and that's not even right. Even if it was a serious offense, that's not the right way to handle it. Right. Yep. So, uh, for him to, if if that what the rabbi is talking about here is a a true statement that he gathered up, I mean a thousand members of his own tribe and went to the Sanhedrin to complain about Solomon, it's going around him and not going to him and trying to, and and I don't know what the standard was of the day. Maybe that was the way you handled it. Maybe you didn't go directly to the guy. Maybe that was the government of the day to. To go, but um, he went too far with it. There should have been a private meeting. Uh, he was he was being arrogant. In other words, when you when you complain generally about somebody, you are a have a Pharisee attitude because the Pharisees' attitude was, "I'm glad I'm not like them." <laughs> and most of the time, we don't complain about people unless we think we don't have the same problem. And uh, uh, Stella told me yesterday about one of the hairdressers, and I don't know any of them, and I'm sure none of them are listening to this. But, <laughs> but it was a complaint because one shop had closed, and the other shop didn't close. Okay. And so yeah. the one that closed mm-hmm. just railed on Facebook about the other shop and how this woman you know, doesn't pay her bills. I mean, she just went on and on Uh-oh. about this other woman, and I couldn't believe, can't believe she's staying open, and, and uh, the public is being... Uh, threatened by her staying open and I mean just went on she talked about her marriage and you know all <laughs> that kind of stuff and put it out on Facebook and yeah. that public trying to publicly humiliate mm-hmm. right is and naming by name I mean yeah it's I have, not, what, not the way to do things. yeah <laughs> I've said things about renters about things that have been done you know to a house or something like that but I have never named a name or, uh, or I don't know, I better think about that. I don't think I've ever named a name. <laughs> and if I have, it hasn't been like first and last name for people to actually, everybody in the city know who they are. And uh, so yeah. there was public humiliation is what was happening. Well, and I, th- I think one time you repented too, didn't you? One time you were like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have posted that. That was yeah. a little bit too much. Yeah. See, so I there have. you go. Yeah. Uh, 
You're a good man, Rick Maynard. You even saw the air of your ways. I know. Well, if I, if <laughs> but I'm it's good. Uh, it's tempting. It's it's tempting to do those things. To, it is. No matter. It doesn't matter if it's 2020 with social media. I think that's a sin, yeah. sinful nature. Well, we aspect just, of man. You know, we have a way to do it now. You know, right. I used to. The only way I could ever complain to somebody was to their face. Right. <laughs> I mean, before Facebook and Twitter, all these. Yeah, all those things. I mean, it was a matter of if I had a problem with a a business that I felt was, you know, mistreating me or being unfair or something, the only person to complain to was the business. Mm -hmm. I couldn't put it out there and say, oh, Lowe's did this terrible thing to me or or um, whoever maybe, whatever business, to try to badmouth that business in public. Well, what you're t and, and those are isolated things. I mean, what happened to me at whatever Lowe's or wherever it may have been in this city, there might be 10,000 other people that have never had a bad experience. Mm -hmm. Right. And yeah. that was a bad experience <laughs> for one day. Uh, I, I've talked about it here. We've, we've been talking about some remodeling things, and there's some people we've dealt with that I've dealt with in the past that I didn't have a good experience. But it's what I have said about that is yeah. I don't know because yeah. that was a long time ago, a lot of, a lot of water under the bridge since, <laughs> you know, since then. So they could be very good. I don't mean to badmouth somebody because of an experience I had 20 years ago, maybe. But, um, and, and this, uh, what he's doing here. Speaking of that, you can leave us a review on Apple iTunes for the Grace Point Daily Podcast. So there give us go. a five-star review. Yes. We don't mention that a lot. So yeah. give us a review. Five-star specifically. Five-star review. Don't <laughs> give any other review, just a five-star review. Yeah. So, and, and that's what he's done here, too, in, in that time is considered an act of rebellion. Now, you know, we don't, I think you, a few years ago, I can remember as a kid when, in talking about the president and uh, when John F. Kennedy was shot and different things like that, that's probably what brought the conversation up. But I can remember them saying that it was an illegal thing to say, I want to kill the president. Yeah. I mean, that was a, and now, I mean, I don't. I suppose those exact words would be illegal, but our own Congress almost says that. Yeah, it's a different about the president today. I mean, I think they there's times they wish he was dead, whether whether they want to kill him or not. But yeah, I can't remember which comedian that was. Now, uh, not Ellen, but uh, she has like orangish hair. Oh, she's done like the New Year's Eve special on CNN, and she Kathy she Griffin. Yeah, she posted some pictures with. Trump with his head cut off, like right. holding it like a couple years back. And they actually mm -hmm. w went at her pretty hard for doing that. That was right. kind of a big no-no. But yeah. it is amazing what people can get away with. Yeah, I know. When I was a kid, <laughs> they basically said you could be thrown in jail for right. that was considered a threat against the president. So I don't know. Hey, we live in a different world now. But 1129, about that time, Jeroboam was going out of Jerusalem, and Ahijah the prophet of Shiloh met him on the way. Wearing a new cloak, the two of them were alone out in the country, and this is that those words about that time. In other words, when things were starting to fall apart, or about that time, about God's time. You know, when it was God's time for things to to start unfolding. That's what begins to happen here. And verse thirty says, "And Ahijah, who's the prophet, took hold of the new cloak he was wearing." and tore it into 12 pieces, which represents the 12 tribes of Israel. Almost always in the Bible, I'm not a big uh, biblical numbers person, but 
almost always when it's talking about 12, it's 12 disciples, 12 tribes, 12 thrones, you know, those, those type of things always refer to um, political or kingship or uh, something along those lines. So you're not a, you're not a big numbers, the book fan or numbers. No, yeah. I don't like numbers. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I don't really like numbers, the book of numbers. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not bad mouthing <laughs> the Bible. Don't misunderstand me here. So yeah, point of, point of uh, clarification yes, there for the yes. audience. Um, but it was, a, I mean, that's a sign of mourning and, and, uh, it's mentioned 39 times in the Bible where somebody tore their clothes or, uh, threw ashes on themselves. It was just an outward sign. And even in this case, in a lot of cases, there were many people around that saw this as a sign of mourning or a sign of grief or whatever it may be. This says they were alone there. So it's a symbol to Jeroboam only in this case. So what his prophecy, I'm saying this to you, Jeroboam, I'm tearing this robe, I'm tearing it into 12 pieces, all of these things. And the, the Jewish people still practice to a certain extent, but they don't like come out with a suit on and tear their suit apart or whatever, but they will have a small hole over the heart when they go to the funeral in their clothing. Now, I don't think, I don't know, I didn't read every little detail of it. It's not as if every suit that they wear to a funeral, they have to cut a hole out of that suit, or if they wear that same suit that has a hole that symbolizes this very thing. Uh, I, I don't I don't know all the details of it, but but it's tearing over the over the heart and you know those it talks about a new cloak at that time too so it's it's not like you know hey i know i'm gonna i know i'm gonna uh go out and tear my robe so let me put this old robe on i don't want to sacrifice something that's valuable mm -hmm. and in those days you know you didn't have i mean you can go to walmart now and buy a t-shirt right. for five <laughs> bucks you know and go out and tear your t-shirt apart and you haven't really sacrificed anything but um so probably probably a valuable piece of clothing and it just shows how distraught and how much god is speaking through him you know we have customs that was their custom we wear well let me back up again when i was younger everyone wore a suit to a funeral of course a lot of people wore suits to church back then but there were suits to funerals or you wore black to a funeral and now you see, you know, it's very casual when you go to a funeral. Sometimes all the pallbearers might wear a suit if they kind of get together and say, hey, this is this is what we're doing. But I've seen pallbearers in overalls, and, you know, it's not so much about, um, about an outward symbol like it used to be. Flags are at half-mast for different things. And I, I used to know you know, when a president died or something like that happened, you know, the flags went down. And now it just seems like every time you drive by, the flags are down. And it's like, well, who, who died today? Who are, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who are that, who's that for today? And uh, so I don't think it means as much even now. We kind of take it for granted because we don't know which person that died that it's, you know, that it's symbolic for, for that day. But you know, I, I don't know if it's a custom of crying and wailing and all of those things. Uh, there's probably some places that still they feel like they have to make a show. People won't think I'm distraught if I don't cry or if I don't wail or whatever. But um, I don't think we have too much of that in our uh, 
society, but I think there are people who feel they feel guilty. I could, I've said it about people myself. It's like, boy, they sure didn't seem very upset, mm-hmm. you know, at the <laughs> funeral, or mm-hmm. or you told them that somebody had died and they were just like, you know, and it was somebody close that you would have thought they would have broke down and you know wept over it, and they just didn't seem like. And, you know, you make that judgment. Boy, I guess they didn't care for him right. like I thought. <laughs> and, you know, maybe they go home and ball their eyes out for three days yeah. after that. Yeah. So we have to be careful because that's not always uh, – we don't always have an outward sign of, of grief. And for people who lose people, we can't make that judgment that they didn't care because they didn't show anything. You know, wearing – used to wear black veils. Women wore black veils, you know, at, at a time of mourning. and So most of that has gone away. We really don't have – outward signs other than a funeral and a visitation and graveside we don't really have those outward signs Mm -hmm. these days of of those kind of things so anyway we are about out of time today so we better wrap it up all right rick maynard he's always putting in the work he's doing a great job taking us through verse by verse each and every week i encourage you guys you can go back through all of our former episodes that we've done on the verse by verse edition uh this is a time for binging as they talked about uh netflix people are binge watching netflix like never before so why don't you listen to the grace one daily podcast and specifically why don't you binge the Grace Point Daily Verse by Verse Edition. Thank you guys for listening. You can always send us a message on Anchor. I don't talk about this a lot either. You can support us. There is a support button that you can go on there, smash that. You can support the Grace Point Daily Podcast. We continue to push forward. We're heading closer and closer to the 10K play mark, and we really appreciate that. So like, share, and subscribe to the Grace Point Daily Podcast. We will talk to you guys next time.